0: The book of Colossians, and I'm going to preach on a subject that's been on my heart for a while. I do believe it to be another battleground of the devil. And the Bible uh, says that is as much as that in all the warnings. And uh, I'm amazed in my life uh, the people that I've run into that have an ideal on what church is to be how a service is to be conducted. And, uh, and so when asked, because I'll always ask, I'm always wanting to learn something new. Uh, <laughs> the service should be this way based on what? And most often I'll get, well, just how I feel. Okay, okay. And I've had to take these conversations, and so I ask that individual, then how about the other 60 people and how they feel? Am I supposed to do and try to do what everybody feels? Because everybody's going to be a little different on how they feel that a church service should be conducted. And then uh, uh, I'll ask, has anybody ever taken the Bible as in a discipler, a preacher, a pastor, and begin to preach, to teach, to disciple a series of lessons, messages on what is church? And I often uh, get the answer, well, well, no. Uh, You know, I've been in church my whole life. Uh, I was raised in church, and I know how we did it or what we did, and Like, okay, and sometimes some of those opinions might be pretty good. But in light of today, and what's going on in our world, I find it a growing divide on the knowledge that people have from the Bible. And how it doesn't line up with what the Word of God says... And what is a local New Testament church? What is it? Hence the title, Church, What Is It? In my time, I've asked this question and and, and got this answer. Church is something that man thought up to get money out of people. And you know, it'll be in the message. Um, Sometimes that's how that cookie crumbles. And the Bible, though, warns us about that. He says, yeah, there are going to be churches. There are going to be false prophets or false teachers that appear to be gods, but they're not. And they will allure. They will make merchandise from the people. So the Bible warns us about that. And we should not be deceived or fall prey to that. Now, Lord willing, I'll try to preach a series of messages. I've got a bunch of titles written down. I don't know what the Lord will do about that, because we have Father's Day to get to, but that's a couple of weeks away yet. And I'm excited about that. Uh, I've already got the message for that. And God had given that to me a month or so ago. I'm going to preach fathers on standing in the gap. So you don't need to miss out on that. And one of the main jobs of a father is to stand in the gap for his family. So we'll get to that and we'll have a break from this series. But I believe that this to be a fitting place to start this series on what is real church. And maybe some of you, now maybe not all of you, maybe nobody, again, we're back on Sunday school lesson, it's hard to look in people's hearts and see what you're thinking. I, I, I don't know what you're thinking right now. Some of you are probably thinking, where is this clown going this morning? And, and, and what I'm doing, maybe you know, maybe you don't know, is I, I've been praying and searching how to... Take off, and so I'm feeling things out until the Holy Spirit gives me the green light go through that door. Sometimes that happens, sometimes I can hit the ground running. So I don't really know what you're thinking now. Sometimes your body language I can get pretty close to what's going on, but but maybe you've had this question. I mean, just because you're raised in a Christian home and a Christian family, and church is something you've done. Doesn't mean you understand where it came from, how it's to be done, and what is its design? What, what is its mission? Do we just show up every Sunday? I mean, have you ever thought that? I mean, why, why, do, I, why do I do this? Why do I show up every Sunday? I say hi to everybody, I smile, I hear a couple specials, Uh, I hear some congregational singing. Uh, Really, it's kind of boring, you know, in my opinion, that's what people will think. I'm not saying that. And so maybe you've had that question. Maybe you've watched other services. And man, you, you see the, the band, you, you see lots of things going on, you see stadiums filled with people and you've got these bands and you're like, man, those people are having some church. Wow. Maybe you've had those questions. I'm hoping that with the word of God, we can answer some of those questions. And maybe you've even had this question on. Why does Pastor Gabbard not get with the times? Nobody has, but I'm saying maybe. Now I'm fishing for whales with minners. I'm seeing what you're holding. I'm seeing. I'm seeing. <laughs> I'm seeing if I can elicit a response so I can see what you're thinking, or at least guess. You know, why do we at Tree of Life Baptist Church, why do we do what we do? Why is their church service, why is it like the way that it is? Not a bad question. And you know, the Bible says there in Peter that you, for whatever you're doing, should be a give, able to give an answer to any man, and it might say every man, I'm paraphrasing, that would ask you of the faith that's in you. So, questions are not wrong. Questions are good, it's how we learn things. And so, the question this morning is what is real church? And hopefully we can get a good enough foundation from this chapter. Now, I could have went to Matthew 16, started there. Been a great place to start. I could have went to Acts 2, and I'm sure we'll be in Acts 2 before this series of messages is over. I actually could have went to Ephesians 2, about verse 20, and could have preached the message and made the points from there. We could have went to Revelation. And we're there. The Bible is not silent on the topic of the church. So why are so many people today ignorant on that subject? I believe some of that has to do with what we talked about in Sunday school class. People just don't want to be in the book. They don't want to meditate. They don't want to read. They don't want to have a daily devotions with the Lord. And therefore, they're not growing what we say evenly. The Bible tells us to grow in grace and knowledge. We're going to see some of that here. So let's begin reading in verse 1 so you kind of know where I'm going, what I'm going to be talking about. And then let's get in it because the question is, What is church? And can the Bible answer that question? Verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So he had not made himself an apostle... He had been made an apostle by the Lord Jesus Christ by the will of God. So that was his shape. That was his life mission for God. And Timotheus, our brother... Now, there's going to be a couple of words. The Bible is going to do something. And what it is going to do, and all the time it does this, is it's going to begin to build. It's going to introduce a word... And then it's going to begin to build upon that word, giving you different definitions. So by the time it gets to the main argument on what is church, you're going to understand from God's word, what is church? Is it the building? If church is the building, we got a great place. We got a great church, man. I mean, beautiful, beautiful. Got a wonderful piano. There's people that come in that visit that say, man, I love your piano. Yeah, I do too. That's why I take the time to make sure it's tuned every year. I don't like playing a piano out of tune and that one, it stays in tune pretty well and does well. But is that what church, we even got an organ. I I don't know how to play that. It does work. I get on it from time to time but I don't know much about the organ. I always think about a monkey and I'm a monkey on, I, I don't. My mind. I'm not saying organs, but I like organs. I'm saying I can't play one. I feel like I'm that monkey. Maybe it's entertainment. I don't know. Maybe. But is that what makes up a great church? And so, what he's beginning to do here, he says, to the saints, And faithful brethren. Now he's bringing brother into the subject. And he's saying brother. So now he's talking about family, people, saints, which are at Colossae. So this is the location. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in christ jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints so now the bible's beginning to work together in harmony a couple of weeks back i said that you're being managed by one of two beings either god and it has a particular set of results or the devil when you're managed by God and you're a child of God, a saint, a brother in Christ, you are going to have love for the brethren. That's what your text is telling you. Now, he's going somewhere with this. He says, which you have to all the saints. So if you're saved in here this morning, you say, I don't really like you. I understand that, but you've got to love me. Sometimes you don't like your kids either, don't you? But you love them. Should I meddle just a little bit? Sometimes you don't like your spouse. Especially when they're trying to wean you. (laughs) But you love them. That's what he's talking about. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have ye heard before in the word... Of the truth of the gospel which is come unto you, as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit. So now he introduces the word fruit and love. Of course, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. Uh Uh-oh. Now we got grace and truth. We got love. We have growth. We have family, people. As you also learned of Epaphras, now as an illustration, our dear fellow servant who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. So now we got love again. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. I hope you pray for me. That's what we're supposed to do for each other. I pray for you. I kind of noticed that I've been praying on that side. Sorry, guys. I guess I'm going to have to get back to praying for the middle. It's looking a little lean. And pray on this side. I, I didn't mean to throw you guys under the bus. But I pray right back there behind Sister Jeannie. It's where I pray a lot. Now, I pray up here, too, but nobody's sitting there today. Uh, it's okay. Generally, I'm on my knees. I'm not sitting. It's just a place to get right. I don't know. He says, but he ceased not to pray for them, desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will. All right. Now we're learning something. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. A very good phrase. We're to have spiritual understanding. You can only have it if you have the Holy Spirit of God. That ye might... You can underline that phrase if you want. Walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, unto all patience, and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, Colon. Now he's going to comment on the phrase he just said. Who hath delivered us. This is what happens when you get saved. From the power of darkness and hath translated us, changed your citizenship, into the kingdom. That's how we know he's talking about citizenship. Kingdom. Citizen. Of his dear son. So when you get saved, you're translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. You're no longer in the nation and kingdom of Satan. Now we could preach on that and I won't because that's not the scope of the message. We could preach why do so-called people that are called saints or call themselves saints still living like they're in the kingdom of the devil? When the Bible clearly tells us he translated you upon salvation that moment into the kingdom of his dear son. Good thought. And whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image. Now, the Bible, this is so full we could spend the rest of the year just preaching these words. And I'm not, and I've got to hurry or I'll I'll be get through just reading the text today, not ever get to the message. I'll comment on this later. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by Him, talking about Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God. Well, I thought God created everything. He's telling you. That Jesus was there. And that Jesus, your Bible just told you, Jesus is the physical manifestation of the invisible God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He's, he's, you say, well, I didn't see the word Trinity. No, but we've got the definition. If you carefully read your Bible, you pick this up. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Now, here's where my text begins to come. And he is the head of the body. Now, remember, he's already used saints. He's used brethren, talking about family. He's talking about uh, uh, someone who has been taken upon the moment of salvation and translated, called out of the kingdom of Satan, and placed into the kingdom of God. Now look what he does with it. And he is the head of the body. Now is that an and or a the? It's a the. So the body he's teaching you, which he's already said, is saints, say people, brethren, brethren, who have been called out of the kingdom of heaven, he used the word translated, into the kingdom of his dear son, he's now saying this is the church and it's a body. Now we can walk away from that and say, well, guess what? We've answered one of our first questions, is church the building? Mm -mm. We could be having church down at the Riverside. We, Wednesday evening, had church under the pavilion had a good time. It was a testimony service and we had watermelon. It was good. It was great. It was awesome. And it was a testimony to our community. We haven't done that in a couple of years. Here we are singing some hymns and singing a special and having testimony. Now I guarantee the neighbors would listen and they were listening. So it was a testimony we're still here and that we love Jesus. And that body, he said, man, I wasn't there. Well, you're still part of the body. You're saved. Some people had to work. Other people, I, I get that. But If you're saved, you're part of that body. The church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in all things, he might have the, So now he's saying in this body, in this church, the Lord Jesus Christ is to have the preeminence. You've heard me say, I don't care what we do around here as long as Jesus is getting the preeminence. So that's going to eliminate a lot of things. We need to learn how to present Christ because he gets the preeminence and not perform Christ. There's a big difference. Now let's read a little more. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you now. Lord, help us today on this subject, the church. Now, if there be any in here that's lost, maybe they're not in the kingdom. They've not been translated into the kingdom of your dear Son. Lord, help them this morning see that need, and let the Holy Spirit work with their hearts. There might be some that are listening that are backslid. Lord, let them fall under conviction and get right with you to understand that, biblically speaking, you expect a certain duty from them. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. By way of introduction, in the last ten years I have watched church attendance drop off. That's something I've personally seen. And it's dropped off dramatically. And when you study the statistics on this, it indicates that church attendance has been dropping off longer than just 10 years. There are fewer churches today than 50 years ago when you factor in churches or churches per 1,000 people, let me put it like that. What I'm saying is the population has grown, but not the number of churches. Now, I read a Gallup poll, and this is where I pulled from on some of this. And it was written by Jeffrey M. Jones. Don't know him, but it was a Gallup poll. Now, I give you those resources or that source that's who I'm using now if the source is bad. And sometimes you've got to watch out for statistics. But I have personally observed this. Now, that don't make it true, but it's something I've observed. I mean, after all, do you think it strange that we can seat three to 400 people, but we don't have that many? This church was geared for that church. There's more people living in Morristown today than was living here in 1980. So churches are on the decline. Now, the Gallup poll said in 2000, 70% of, um, of the America's population attended church. Now, they're throwing everybody in there, whether you're Catholic, Muslim, whether you are uh, a Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, 70% of America's population in 2000 attended church. They were a member and actively engaged in a church. Now you fast forward to 2020. Right before COVID hit, only 47% of America's population attended a church. Now is that making sense on why the first places they wanted to close down during the COVID lockdown was churches? They were going off of the statistics on people don't think church is important, so let's shut them down. The devil was in on that. But in 2020, only 47% of the population attends a church. Now, there's another statistic that through COVID, the church membership declined 30%. So you can take that 47% and take 30% off of that, and those people never come back. Most people today think that church was something cooked up by money-hungry con artists as a genius way to play on people's religious feelings and make a lot of money. And guess what? The Bible says, yeah, the that goes on. I'll give you some scripture on that. In Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible warns us, he says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many shall follow their pernicious way. Now, that word pernicious means doing harm, but a little bit at a time. And so they begin to introduce, or these false prophets introduce things into the church that the Bible never intended for us to have in a service. And as we're going to find out later, it lures people in through their lust. So we've turned churches into entertainment. Instead of worship. Now some people, they think church is about entertainment. Where people go to be entertained in a club, members only setting, paying visitors welcomed, of course. And then 2 Peter goes on to say in chapter 2 verse 18, For when they speak... Great swelling words. Live your best life now. You tell God what you want and he'll give it. That's not in the Bible. I don't know where they got it, but it ain't in there. I'm still looking. I'd like it to be true. They'll speak great swelling words of vanity. They allure. They're going to allure you anybody in here fish anybody in here fish for carp you know one of the ways to get carp you do what we call chum them you're going to lure them in (laughs) they're bottom feeders and so you want a good carp bait and i've tried all kinds but i'm going to tell you the one i'm getting ready to give you this is not a big secret I got it from a gentleman on YouTube called Catfish and Carp, he gets into this stuff. This dude's good. He can catch carp in the Dead Sea with this bait. He takes breadcrumbs, he takes strawberry jello, dry mix, throws it in the breadcrumbs, and then takes a can of sweet corn, and you dump that can of sweet corn in there, using the water out of the can, just enough of it to be able to make a ball in your hand. And then you put it on a method lead. Now, a method lead is a weight, because it's a bottom feeder, that has grooves in it that'll hold a bait. And then you put a hair jig hook on it with a little piece of fake corn that you put a little allurement, a little scent. And you... Throw that out there. And then you take a little bit that's left over and you just kind of scatter it out. If you really want to be good at luring carp and catfish in, you go out Monday evening, throw you a couple handfuls out in the you want to fish. Go out Tuesday evening, throw you a couple handfuls out, go home. Go out Wednesday evening after church. Yeah, you almost caught me. throw out a little more and by Thursday evening go out there got it on your hook throw out there and they'll get used to coming in now I think that's legal I've never done that here different states have different laws about chumming luring you'll begin to catch carp and I've caught a lot of carp that's about the only thing I can catch consistently here And I'll fish for them on the bank. And I kid you not, I'll pull them in about that big. And there'll be people down there at the Panther Creek. And I'm fishing. You know how they are. They're on the other side. I got my own little place. By the time I've caught the second carp that's about 15 pounds, they're over. What are you doing? What is that? That's a carp. Do you eat them? I don't. I put them back. Catch and release. Can I fish here? Absolutely. There's plenty of room. It won't be three minutes later when I've caught the next one. Can I use some of your bait? Absolutely. Here's my pole. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying allurement. That's what he's talking about here. Luring people in through the lust of the flesh. Now, these false prophets... That's what they've been doing, and so now people sitting in the pew, once someone sits in an entertainment-driven church, they'll never sit in a Bible-believing local New Testament church again. They're spoiled through a philosophy and been deceived by the devil. So what is this thing called church? I'm going a little slow, but I'm trying to give us time to think and digest so you can keep with me, and then I'm going to take off. So where did this ideal of church come from? And do I need to be a member and a faithful member to this thing called church? And which one? Number one, what is the church? Well, as I've tried to point out in my feeble way, it is a called out assembly. That's what he's saying. It's been called out of the kingdom of Satan and placed into this body. He says it's the kingdom of his dear son. But then he says it's a body and it's a church. And by the way, the word church, and I rarely do this, and don't think I know Greek because I don't. But it's ecclesia, And it means called out, Assembly. And the Bible in English even defines that there in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 23 says, to the general assembly and church. Now he didn't say the, he said and church. So he tags it and puts it together. So church is an assembly of believers who are saints and brethren, who have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of them, who have been translated into this body by the Holy Spirit of God. And he has been separated from the, he says, the power of darkness, verse 13. So what is this church? It's called a called-out assembly. That's why here's some things here about this church. You say, well, I want to be a member and I, I don't push that. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I want you to be a member. But you need to, one, be saved, born again, and be able to give me a testimony of that. Two, have been scripturally baptized like Christ was, immersion. You need those two things before you can join a local assembly, or at least a Bible-believing church oh I don't need money well we'll take that but no biblically speaking you need to be born again I've been scripturally baptized now here if you want to be a voting member he said well I want to be a I want to be able to get involved then you need membership class and discipleship now if you don't care about none of that you can still be a member that'll be depend on what you want But church, biblically speaking, is a called out assembly that's been separated from the power of Satan. From the power of the world. That's why he says, and love not the world. You say, okay, what's he saying? Is he mean I can't love uh, uh, the Smoky Mountains? No. Uh, Is he saying I I can't enjoy sports no more? No. What he means there is the philosophies of the world, the ideology of the world. Don't love it. Don't fall in love with it. It, It'll spoil you in Christ. So you've been set free upon the moment of salvation from the power of Satan. You're no longer a citizen of that country. From the power of the world and its ideology and then from the power of the flesh which will probably be the biggest enemy you face in your life your own flesh because it's going to get the case of i don't want to (laughs) i get that from time to time especially if you mess with my sacred cow i got one so what is it food Now, the Bible says God set me free from the power of the flesh. Colossians 2.11, because you're right there, tells you that when you got saved, he performed a spiritual operation cutting your flesh away from the soul and the spirit. There's separation. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, well, then why is it so powerful? Because God ain't changed it yet, but it's a coming. So what is this church? Well, it's a called out assembly. Number two, what is this church? It's a body of believers in verse 16. Talks about believers in Christ. in Verse 18, sorry, verse 18. In Acts chapter 2, we got to go back there because I'm building foundation. Foundations are always hard to put in. Acts chapter 2. But I hope you're with me and you're paying attention and maybe through the course of this preaching on this series, it'll answer maybe some of the questions you have. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Watch this. Now, I'll be preaching out of here somewhere because there's five things or four things, five things going on there that should be in our church today. I'll give them to you, and then we'll preach on them at a later time. If you back up, verse 42. This is what the church that Jesus started, and we'll get to that. This is what the elements that were in it. Number one, they continued steadfastly. That means they were not going to move in the apostles' doctrine. Sunday school class is about teaching doctrine. Sunday night is about teaching doctrine. Wednesday night is about teaching doctrine doctrine. Sunday morning, I preach. So I just don't like all that teaching. Then you're wanting to eliminate one of the key elements in a Bible-believing church. And right here's the authority. And fellowship. Uh Uh-oh. So we're to come together and have some fellowship. And in breaking of bread, that's why we had a watermelon social. That's why Father's Day is all about breakfast. Fellowship. And in prayers, breaking of bread and fellowship, it goes together. You see that? These are things that should be made up in the church. There's some people that believe, I don't think you should ever have any food inside of church. And they won't eat with you if you're having dinner on the grounds. And they think they're justified in that. And that is so anti-scriptural. It's so anti-Christ. You see, what do you do with it? It means more food for me, so I don't really say a whole lot about that. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together, and all things Carmen, and sold their possessions. You want the New Testament on giving? Because we're going to talk about that. Because one of my last sermons is going to be defund the church. Now here, people were given it all. Most people I deal with, and I ain't preached on money in a while. I'll preach on tithing. And people get mad. They look at me. People quit coming to church. You just want to raise. No. No, it's Bible. I'm using the face they used. You can laugh. But they think they're so righteous. Well, right here, New Testament and they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. They gave it all to the church. <laughs> oh, preacher, I ain't doing that. Okay. So then you want to fall under the 10% rule. Right here, New Testament, give it all. You can't outgive God. I'm just reading it, we'll preach on it later. Don't, don't, don't let me lose you now. Don't let me lose you in the weeds. It's okay. It's okay. I'm not after your money. Well, you said those false preachers are all about the money. Yeah, yeah, I, I got it. But God uses his people to finance his mission. Well, my preacher said God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Yeah, he does. And he gave you some. And he gave you some to give some back to him. Bet you never heard of that cat, did you? And they continue daily. Ooh, we should be having church every day. With one accord in the temple. Now watch this. Verse 47 is the verse I originally wanted. But you all demanded I give you these elements. Praising God. So it is right to praise God. And having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. That's where we get, you need to be born again before you can join. The people that got saved on the day of Pentecost were added. Now, what church did they add them to? Back up to Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Jesus commanded them to stay in Jerusalem until the power comes down. The Holy Spirit Verse 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Now watch this. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, and the Holy Spirit gives you something here. The number of the names together, they had a roll were are about 120. There was 120 people in this church when it got started. And so God added to that church, that role, that only had 120 people on it. They started doing these five things as had been commanded to them by Christ, and God began to add. So what is the church? It's a body of believers. This is who God is adding to. It's called the bride of Christ. It's all saved by the same blood. It's the blood of Christ. Bonded together to worship God. To praise God. See how he's, the Bible's saying, Jesus is getting the preeminence. He didn't say get the boy band in, did he? You won't find that in this Bible. But I think, I don't care. Well, but I feel. What's the Bible say? Now, see, that's going to separate. And see, we're living in the day and age where it's being separated. Bible-believing churches are going to be on the fall, like a stock market. And false churches are going to be on the right. Now, not all Bible-believing. There's some Bible-believing churches I know of, some big ones, and they're doing well. But that pastor's been there 40 years, plowing and teaching and preaching like this and god's blessed it there are exceptions to the rule so what is this church well it was started by christ verse 18 there in our text says let's go back there because this is a topic of debate now this is more of a doctrinal message i really wanted to holler and scream and run but holy spirit's keeping me just a little back throttled back just a little bit and that's okay Look at this, because you'll get that. Some people trying to be smart will ask you, when did the church start? And so sometimes I'll ask them, if I tell you, would you know I give you the right answer or not? If they're honest, sometimes they say no. But there's different fields of thought. Now let me help you align yourself with Scripture. Some people think it started in Acts 2. It's defendable ground. I'd never get mad at somebody that says that. I know where they're at. Some people that studied a little harder will say, it started at the cross. Why? Because we're going to learn that Christ purchased the church with his own blood. You've got to have the bloodshed before you can have church. But he said he purchased it. That means you can't buy something unless it's there. I'm going to show you this. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. You see it? He's talking about Jesus was the beginning of the church. That's why I said we could have preached this message out of Matthew 16. Christ started it, remember? He says, I'm the rock, and upon this rock, you've got to put a footer in, and a foundation in before you can start working on the framing. I mean, if you're trying to put the roof on something, you don't have walls up and no foundation, it's not going to last long. Your Bible backs that up in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, where he says that the church is built upon the pillars of the apostles and Christ, Jesus Christ himself, being the chief cornerstone. And here the Bible confirms that and says... That Jesus Christ was the beginning of this thing. So it started by Christ. And then it was purchased with his own blood. Jesus, the chief cornerstone. Jesus is the boss. He's the sole shareholder. Now, Jen and I had some conversation this week, which is a good thing to have between husband and wife. And we were talking about some things. I'm not going to get into what we were talking about. But I will say it like this. Sometimes a woman can do things better than a man can. Now, some would argue maybe all the time. I probably wouldn't, depending on what food was on the table, argue that too much. And in the church setting, there'll be things that the women can do, and they can do better. But because Jesus is the boss, and because he's already given us the rule book, he says, don't put a woman in that position. It has nothing to do with, can she do it better or worse? It has nothing to do, is, is she capable? Of course. But God said, don't do it. He said, well, who's God? Well, he started the church and he owns it. He bought it and he gave us the rule book. That's why I don't believe in women pastors or women preachers. Why? Because God's clear that he's not calling them. Well, I remember in the Old Testament. There you go in that Old Testament again. Now we just had that debate on tithing and you said you didn't want to hear nothing about the Bible in the Old Testament about giving. Now all of a sudden you jump over there and try to prove women preachers. Double-minded man's unstable in all his ways. And by the way, Deborah was never called a preacher, was she? That's not in the text. you got to read that in there. But I'll tell you who was in the Bible. Oh, Jezebel. He so, said, well, you've upset me. I'm just preaching Bible and having a little fun doing it. I don't have an ax to grind. But I'm trying to help you as a child of God to have some spiritual understanding. So it started by Christ." God has given us our boundaries, the rule book to work within. So what is the doctrine of the church? And I believe this to be the most important part of this message. So hang with me now. I know I've been a little long. I've been a little slow. But turn the listening ears on. The doctrine of the church. You know, you can be wrong about a lot of things concerning the Bible and the church. There's different denominations. It doesn't mean those people are lost because they don't agree with you or see things the way you do. You can be wrong about a lot of things on the Bible and about church, but you cannot be wrong about Jesus. If you in this life are wrong about Jesus and who he is, you'll spend eternity with the devil in the lake of fire now doctrine's very important number one jesus christ is the only way jesus said i am the way the truth and the life no man cometh to the father but by me you can't be wrong about jesus and go to heaven You can be wrong about church membership. You can be wrong about what kind of music we should have in the church. You can be wrong about how you think things should be done versus what uh, somebody else thinks. But if you're wrong about Jesus, you'll split hell wide open. And it's our job as a church to make sure people are not wrong about Jesus. Now, right here in our text, and I got it in my notes, called a bonus because I was looking at this this morning, I already prepared the message, but there's something that popped out. You're going to have to believe in the virgin birth. Now I was doing some studying this week, and there are other religions and other beliefs, and you get into mythology, and just about all of them will have a a myth or a legend about a woman who is a virgin giving birth to a god, a god-man. You find that out when you begin to study about ancient Babylon and you get into Samaris, and then you get into her son who she said was virgin-born, Tamos. You can't be wrong about Jesus. It only happened once. There's only been one virgin birth and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He was born of a virgin. He was the seed of God, not the seed of man. You can't be wrong on that. But here, Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. You cannot be wrong about who Jesus is. Look at verse 15. In your text, Colossians 1, verse 15 says, Who, talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. The Bible is clear to tell us that God is a spirit. No man has seen God at any time. And God must be worshipped in spirit and truth. And so people say, well then who did Abraham talk to? Because he said he's seen Jehovah. And then Jesus says before Abraham was, I am. They seen Jesus. This Bible says that Jesus is the physical manifestation of the invisible God. You can't be wrong about that. You know, there are people that believe that, no, Jesus is not God. Jesus is just a man. Jesus might have been a created angel. Jesus was a robot that God created to pay the sin debt. They might believe that he was sinless. They might have believed that he died a substitutional death. But they will not believe that he is God manifest in the flesh. And let me tell you, if you're wrong about that, you're going to hell. Jesus is God. Now you have people run around, they're Jesus-onlys. They don't believe in the Trinity. They say the Bible don't teach it. The Bible never uses the word, the definitions. It's all through the Bible. It's there in Genesis 1. Let us make man in our image. You think he was talking to the angels? They're not body, soul, and Spirit. You can't be wrong about that. 1 Timothy chapter 3 we must turn there. And I'm almost done folks, I'll wind it down. 1 Timothy 3:16 And without controversy great is the mystery of godliness. God Jehovah was manifest made visible to the naked eye. Wait a minute. Nobody's seen God at any time. Read on. In the flesh. Now who become flesh? John 1, one. In the beginning was the Word. Word was with God. Word was God. And the Word became flesh. Jesus. Oh, it's a mystery? Yeah, a lot of people miss it. And if you miss it, if you're wrong about it, You'll die and go to hell. You can't be wrong about the doctrine of God's church, that Jesus is God. We had some people come in here a couple, few months back. They're gonna straighten me out on that. Some of you folks heard it because you were out in the vestibule and I was back there. And you know me, I'm pretty easy to get along with. As soon as he starts saying, no, Jesus ain't God, these people, you can ask them, they started hearing me get a little loud. Yeah, Amen. I said, you're not going to fit in around here because this Bible's clear on it. I showed him one verse of Scripture, 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. Let me give it to you for the online audience. For there are three Watch this. What does Trinity mean? Three. The doctrine of the Trinity, three and one. Does the word Trinity show up in the Bible? Uh uh-uh. uh. That was a word that come along after. That's the beauty of the English language. It grows. But watch this. The Bible has the definition here. For there are three that bear record in heaven the Father, capital, that's Jehovah. The Word, it's capitalized. Why? It's personification. Talking about Jesus. Jesus is the Word. And the Holy Ghost, capital. Yeah. And these three are one. Bingo. There it is. Black and white. I don't believe that. Then you're Antichrist. That's the pure definition of it. You're not a saint of God. You're not a brother in Christ. You're not a sister in Christ. And if you remain wrong on this, you'll die and go to the devil's hell. You can't be wrong on this doctrine. You can be wrong on a lot of things. You might even think we don't need to sing out of the songbooks. Maybe you think we need a praise team. If you're wrong about Jesus, you'll die in your sins go to a devil's hell. Jesus was sinless. Jesus died a substitutional death. Jesus rose bodily from the grave. And today he's sitting in the right hand of the Father. And Jesus is coming back for his bride. And we are sealed by the Holy Spirit under the day of redemption. I'm going to stop there. There's more. But I believe that to be the most important heart of this message is you cannot be wrong about Jesus Jesus is the only way no man's going to approach the father trying to bypass the son this bible says that those three God the father God the son God the holy spirit are one three in one It was so in-depth and complicated, we come up with a word called the Trinity. And so devils try to say, well, that word Trinity's not in the Bible. Neither's Christmas. What do you do with that? Ooh, I didn't like your tone just then. Oh, I'm not mad. But I am upset with the devil because he's led a lot of people astray and they're wrong on Jesus. Now, if you've been born again because you're right on Jesus... We can disagree on a lot of things. Love to talk with you about it. We can laugh and hee-haw about it. And I'll show you scripture. Questions are good. But please do not be wrong on Jesus because it'll cost you eternity. Let's stand.